Now, the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Monday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is March 16th. Andy, how are we doing? Brendan! Uh, it's been quite the week. I I can't believe where we were last week, what we were talking about last week, and where we are today. Yeah, this time last week you were figuring, forgetting to push the button, or you scheduled it for the wrong... I'm just trying to think of like all that's happened, right? It's wild. I mean, we were talking about... The new TV deal and all that stuff. It, it's been a while. Uh, yeah, an eventful weekend here. Uneventful in its eventfulness. So I feel uh, like I've lived like a year in this week. Yeah, it's been it's been nuts. So uh, everyone, please stay safe, stay healthy. We're gonna keep this rolling. Try to come up with some new creative segments, some creative ideas. We got that AMA we got to do with all these insane questions you guys all submitted us, which may have nothing to do with golf. Yeah. I, I may I, have a little bit to do with golf. I'm excited for, for later. We got our, our segment. That's probably going to be our main focus for the, hey, uh, for the time. Is my being. mic on, by the way, just, just to confirm, because I know last time you were right. It absolutely was not on. I, I listened when you finally posted it on, uh, or when you posted it on Friday morning. Yeah. Like definitely not on. So you're on. Um, good. Good, good, good to know where all our P's and Q's are checked. I'm uh, back at the home office. I'm I'm set up. You got the hell out of California and you are home. Yeah, I was that was. You fly. Yeah, flying You're is about driving. Flying is a, it's just a weird thing to do at this point. Like it's so strange being in airports that are basically empty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we are open for podcasting. I don't know. We'll be it's a remote self isolation type of activity so we will continue to do this we're, we're we'll, you know brainstorm a few concepts we got something tonight that that we think will be fun ongoing it sounds like we're not gonna have golf uh tournaments for a while the yeah. cdc announcing tonight that gatherings of 50 or more people should not you know i don't know if they're forbidden but they're warning against doing that for the next eight weeks which i think i saw would put us right into pga championship week so um it seems like it's going to be a lot longer than that though yeah i think i think if we're realistically looking at things we're looking at uh u.s open okay um any anything you want to circle back on from the pga tour the players championship anything you felt like you didn't get to say or wanted to rephrase you know they that we we recorded before that friday press conference when monahan jay commissioner monahan walked through his whole Spiel. He then went, spent Saturday with Billy Horschel handing out food to the hungry in Northeast Florida. Um, got a bit of a boost Sunday with some players, notable players, deciding to come out against the PGL. 
Uh, so it was an eventful weekend even after. And he had Zach I, Johnson backing him up. What was going on with Zach? People were tagging me into some of those, but I never actually read his. Just talking about how great of a commissioner Jay Monahan is and how, how strong he was through this time. I mean, uh, uh, in that press conference, he essentially admitted he wasn't paying attention to what was going on in the world on Wednesday night. Uh, yeah. I... There was some sort of apologia, like these these articles and and justifications that the, you know they made the right decision. They really did the right thing here. Um, and the only thing we're not going to we talked at length about this on Friday. The only thing I would say is they made a number of wrong decisions, and then they made the only decision, the yeah. only thing they were backed into a corner. There was there was no other choice. They weren't going to play. Like, could you imagine if they were playing today, Sunday? We're recording this Sunday night. If they just pushed through and were playing Saturday and Sunday, there was that wasn't on the table. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a right decision. It was the only choice left after they had made a series of wrong decisions. The consequences of which we won't fully know. Maybe they're minimal. Maybe they're substantial. But we don't. We can't. Like, it's it's hard for you to sit there and say they did the right thing when we don't even know the consequences of. Their wrong decisions on Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday after. You know, Thursday at, like I said, 7 o'clock, they said we're going forward. Then by whatever it was, 1030, they said we're done. So that's the only But then they kept, then at 1030, by, by in in between, there was another statement about no fans and, oh, we're still going to let fans in. When, yeah. The thing that, that gets me is that, you know, conference tournaments were going and, but no professional organization was playing games past Wednesday night. There was no professional. So if you consider yourself on the same level as a college conference, that's what you just did. You put yourself in that bucket instead of the foresight of a professional organization. Yeah. So, I, I again, don't want to bag on them a, a ton. We, we've made our thoughts clear on it. But I just saw a little bit of already the the kind of the wheels of apologia moving uh, over the weekend saying they did the right thing they made the right decision that they when in fact i think they made the only decision after a series of mistakes really and i, I kind of throw i lump in the whole media tour on monday with all of this of course it's whatever impacts or effects that had uh or consequences of that are far less substantial than if anything was spread at the Thursday round. But again, you're hearing people talk in these terms. You're educating. I'm educating myself much more over the weekend about like, um, you know, the, the safe, like if nothing happens, that, that doesn't mean you over, you, it was overblown. It means you did the right thing. So like you can't, you know, if you can't hope to be perfect, you just prepare. And I, the world health organization guy put it in great terms today is just, and I horribly botching however he stated it. But yeah, you just have to be overcautious, and they weren't. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it, but the way Mike Wan put it right, versus the way Jay Monahan put it is yeah. is everything. And, and when you're, listen, like, this, that he was put in a position that's not easy. And I think that he was in a horrible, horrible, horrible position. Yeah. Like, dealt a really tough hand. Yeah. But that's what you get paid the big bucks to do. Yeah. And he made a series, like you said, a lot of bad decisions. And 
frankly, when you get paid the amount of money Jay Monahan gets paid and you make bad decisions, like I don't I just think there was a there was a one decision that hurts hurts you in the short term, but long term and globally speaking was the responsible one. Mm-hmm. And there was one where you might be able to see how we could get skate by and we could save our, our big championship, our big hoopla. But, you know, there was a huge downside to it. And, and you got to mitigate, like, the humanity risk yeah. of the situation. I, w- <clears throat> I would say, you know, heavy, heavy is the head that wears a crown. Um, and it all comes to you. And I think he, if he didn't know that, he should have known that. And he certainly knows it now. But I don't view him and, and sort of this, like, I, I think, like, he's a good person. Um, I don't know that I view him as like this sort of uh, evil emperor that some commissioners may be or in other sports that get this rep as being like ruthless kind of, I think he's a, a human being and I, he got really emotional in, on that Friday. It wasn't the press conference, but the interview I think with Mike Tirico afterwards. So I don't view him as like, I don't think he's a bad guy and this kind of ruthless person, but um, he, he didn't, you know, this is what the money is for. As you said, this is why you get paid the big bucks. And like, if he, if, if, if he's a good person that he doesn't have the right, I don't know. It's, it's a combination of him and the people around him that have failed him. Whoever was, whoever was with him in New York at the CNBC interview, like you got, just got to pull the plug on that. as a like train wreck. Like, so it's, it's a combination of maybe people around him. They're obviously smart. The, the tour is going to make a lot of money and maybe that's the end goal. None of this matters. None of it matters like PR hits or us, but I, I just don't know that he's got the right combination of either people around him or the right job. So, yeah. So I, I think we've talked about this enough. We're done. I, I, uh, but the next, know, go ahead. Masters, no masters. Yeah. The next domino to fall then like right after his press conference really on uh, Friday morning was masters is postponed. That Fred, so th- that's the crazy thing is that in the lead up to the players, the Masters is talking about like you're hearing rumors, no fans, postponement, like that's that's the chatter of the Masters a month out. Yes, and it kind of puts in perspective like how bad the decision to have fans was. Yeah, I mean, I, I he he made his point about you know like our event was already starting and the LPGA had events that hadn't started is it's not wrong. It's not incorrect. Um, so it does make it a little harder when you have everything in place and it's the, the train has sort of already left the station, so to speak. But yeah, again, it was a very just, if, if the train, if the trains leave, here's the thing. If the trains leave the station to head off the tracks, if you can stop the train and let people get off the train yeah. before it derails, you should yeah. do that. And that's I what mean, he didn't Adam do. Adam Silver suspended the NBA season with like guys in their jerseys at like half court. Basically. Exactly. So, um, all right. We're getting in the Masters, though. So they suspend with what? About 30 days out or, or postpone, I should say. Um, I, Fred Ridley has impressed me. I mean, this was, again, I think, like, the only decision, sort of. This wasn't necessarily, like, some sort of walking out on a limb stand, but uh, 
he wasted no time in doing it. And it's maybe the decision had been made for him like it had been for Jay Monahan. But do you think the decision was here's the question. Do you think the decision was made before Monahan made his, but they they held it and out of respect for Monahan? I don't know. I, I'm getting everything all over the map from Augusta National. It, it's just like one thing I know is there's more people talking from there than ever before, whether it's employees, volunteers, or members, or whoever it is. Like, there's a lot of people on Twitter saying they're hearing from inside the inside the walls, inside the castle. Um, but I, I don't know. I, Ridley's impressed me a little bit just between the Anwa thing right off the bat. Um, excuse me. <laughs> Got a cough there. Uh, the Anwa thing right off the bat. The the expansion of just access to media assets, watching, you know, being able to watch every shot. And I don't know. This isn't like a big thing where he should be commended for it, but he seems like a a golfer first. Uh, he was a golfer first. He's you know an amateur uh, legend, so to speak. And um, they just moved on it. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's it stinks, but it, again, there's no other choice. I, I don't know where we're going from here. I, we've heard everything everything under the. You really you think he had made the decision before? I don't think he. I, I don't know. I don't know anything. I'm just wondering. I think it moved really fast on it the same timeline really for them on the same timeline as it did for the tour. Only the tour was having its biggest event that same week. Whereas the mat, like I think it moved on the exact same timeline of maybe like Tuesday of last week, they were thinking we're not going to have any fans. Wednesday, you know, maybe we'll push back. I think it moved on a similar timeline where they thought they were going to have it. And then by Friday, they're like, we can't. Um, I've heard everything now. You know, we've heard, I think Kyle Porter on his podcast Friday said he had heard from somebody that they might move it to May. And then the PGA gets bumped. That seems like no longer even if it was had an ounce of truth to it, which I'm not sure it did. Uh, that seems no longer a possibility given these new CTC guidelines. Uh, you've heard September. You've heard October. Courses uh, club, you know, is infamously closed from uh, what is it? Late May to October mm-hmm. usually, but but heard September muttered a couple times. Um, Jack Nicholas thinks it probably won't happen. He thought, I think the thing that when you look at the fall is having it twice within six months, the logistics of that. Yeah. Kind of backing up against each other, a traffic jam. Be hard. would Would it cheapen one of them? You know? No, no, I don't think that would happen. Why do you, what, what, how would I just, I just don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I, I don't foresee it happening twice in six months. I mean, this is a place where they can. They, of course, they want every blade of grass, every every little thing. It wouldn't needs, even be uh, rye grass then. It probably would still be the Bermuda. Bermuda, no. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, just in terms from an operational standpoint, you know, there's so many of those buildings, you know, which were built and created for millions and millions of dollars you know operate 10 15 days a year of course there are months of prep that go into it but i don't i I feel like they more than anyone know how to move fast and put on a world-class show quickly there's some story about the old media media center 
and how like the Wi-Fi was on the fritz. Mm-hmm. One day a guy complained and by the next day every single desk was hardwired with like a ethernet cord. This is probably a while ago when Wi-Fi was maybe less reliable or something. Um, and, and by the next morning in the media center where there's 200, 300, 400 seats, everything was hardwired by IBM. Like I, they, they, know, they can move if anyone can do it. Yeah. But, I, I don't know. know their venue. They know their venue. It's not like, they're dropping in on a San Francisco or a New York. Like, they know their place. What do you think? What do you think about the prospect of a fall, Masters? I just, I, I think there's so much uncertainty. You know? At what point, at what, if, say, so we're looking at the PGA, it's probably not going to happen, right? You think it's just not happen at all? Well, like, as scheduled for the date, right? Can I? Yeah, yes. As scheduled for the day, it seems highly okay. unlikely. So we're so you know, if this thing the reality is I I mean I've been monitoring it because of our events, but like June all of a sudden earlier this week we had no restrictions. Middle of this week we're we're through March. Now we're through May. We're into halfway into May. You know, and this thing hasn't really even fully surfaced. Yeah. Yeah, it's just. I think I think we're it's going to get, you know, pretty intense over the next couple of weeks in terms of surfacing like that. So I, I just think. So like, so I just we saw how fast it moved last week. It's just hard to hard to peg anything right now. Exactly, and and I think if we get to the point where the U.S. Open's not happening, which it, at this point the qualifiers are are done. Yeah. So what? Where does that? What, I mean, what does that how, lead How to do that? you feel, fill U.S. Open void with the qualifiers, especially after the big brand brand, brand campaign? I was going to say, from not as many, one. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Is that the new tough, brand? Tough slogan? to joke about it right now. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> from it's, not as many, one. No, no qualifiers. What is? What's the? What do you do? I mean, That's the whole entire identity of the thing. It's uh, so. You start to look at it if if the if the U.S. Open doesn't happen, at what point is it just you know what? We lost the year. Let's re rack for next year. It, it is what it is. It yeah. sucks. This is a once in a once in a lifetime thing that has happened. It's a horrible thing, and who knows? Maybe it blows over and all this is pointless. But I you know given the current trajectory, the projections, the it i this is this is we're in we got to strap in yeah yep um do you have any thoughts on a fall masters a fall augusta national people seem to be salivating over that people seem to think like you know just seeing augusta national in a different light in a different setting in a different conditioning would be great i mean from a from a spectator standpoint it'd be cool just to have the greatest golf tournament in the world as a windfall in the fall, but it would be really cool to see it played. It would play a lot differently. I think it would play probably faster in the fairways. It just depends on the rain. You know, they get so much rain down there that you never know. You know, Rich Lerner was on Friday was reading off the rainfall numbers. It's like slightly more in uh, October, but temperatures are about the same in terms of like daily highs and lows. I think an early November one would be cool. First week in November. Yeah, not bad. 
I question, would you be able to get people around? What do you mean? Time-wise. We're on the uh, wrong side of the hours. Yeah, but the field's always only like 80 guys. You That's know, true. 85, 90, 90 guys. Slugger's not out there. <laughs> they, but they, you, they, how, about, they, how about this thing that happened to the boy from Bratislava? We're, we're, we're passing over the Olympics. We aren't even talking about the Olympics. This, that well, seemed uh, toast. I don't know. Someone was in our mention, some like some golf pro from Bratislava was tweeting about how like golfers are the lowest priority to repatriate into Slovakia right now. And uh yes, official announcement from the prime minister today. This is Dr. Tom Davies, some sort of golf golf coach phd sports psychology from bratislava not very slovak name i don't know tom davies that maybe i don't know whatever uh neither is rory sabatini because yes the official announcement from the prime minister today is that citizens who have gone abroad to play golf are bottom of the list for repatriation to the motherland i mean is rory even knocking down the door to get back I don't know that he is. He's probably in the swamp or something like that. I don't know. We got to check in on Rory and Tina's uh, Instagram. Well, this guy is trying to start a hashtag, pray for Sabatini. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that that one's going to take off, given the current times and uncertainties. With coffers being low and the government's list for citizens to be repatriated, let's all hashtag pray for Sabatini. And the hope the government. I mean, how many golfers are there in, in Slovakia? That's what I'm wondering. Are there all these buddies trips scattered across the globe right now that are the lowest priority for, of Slovaks? Maybe they can watch uh, Golf Channel's round trip free there <laughs> on Golf Pass. I, I need to figure out more about this guy. He's followed by Scott Fawcett and Kevin Moore. Sports psychology. All right. Uh, anything else on the Masters? Feels like I mean, any other in any other circumstances, the postponement of the Masters would just be a total bombshell. But like it, this was announced Friday, and here we are Sunday night, and it's just like a thing that happened. That's a fact of life, facet of my new life. Right? Yes, that's weird. That's the the this is a new era of life. Hopefully, it's a very temporary era. It's not exactly fun. But yeah, you know. All right. Should we do a, a more? <laughs> I'm speaking softly tonight because my kids have been all been up and I've got two kids sleeping on a mattress on the floor next to this podcast. And I'm hoping not to keep them up. So apologies for the more subdued tone here. Um, but these are these are, you know, the balls tough, I'm juggling at the tough moment. Tough times in uh, the Borat household. Oh, for God's sakes. I'm a homeschooler now. I'm a teacher. <laughs> Do you need me to come over and teach geography? Uh, well, I'd be happy. Yeah. <laughs> teach, teach the kids about apples. Yeah. What's your favorite apple? Teach them about the hippopotamus. I could teach them a lot of stuff. <laughs> that would be kind of scary, putting them in your hands. <laughs> um, so, but anyways, that's for, apologies for the more subdued tone. Um, on, on happier news, though. Should we get to uh, Rio Marshoes? Hey, yeah, <laughs> much more let's fun talk, news. I've got my, about Rio Mar. I've got my shoes. I wore them this weekend. I'm not going for long walks, but you know, I 
decided to slip them on, kind of do chores around the house, take the trash out. Very comfortable, waterproof, waterproof leather. I, you know, it, it was a little uh, misty out. Worked perfectly. Well, uh, what are they? Waterproof dry leathers, but you know deck what I love about them? I love slip-on shoes. Oh God! You have to have a good pair of slip-on shoes. If you don't have a good pair of slip-on shoes, you pretty much don't have shoes because you just need them. Like <laughs> when I take the dog out at night, I haven't had slip-ons for a while since I got these. Until I got these. Like, yeah. I take the dog out at night. It's like, thank God I don't have to tie shoes. Like, you know, I, I, I the other half of it is, I, it is brutal. I, I learned that I never learned how to tie a knot properly in what my does childhood. That mean? You know, there's a weak knot and a strong knot. And I tie weak knots. And I'm trying to retrain myself how to tie strong. I can't get my fingers to work right because I've been <laughs> tying them for so long. This way, but the Rio Mars, no, I just slip them on. It's wonderful. I, I mean, to be clear, they're not slippers. You don't look like a chump. You could literally no. wear them in the locker room. You could wear them in the 19th hole. You could wear them. They've got <clears throat> some that are drivers, some that are watermans that are kind of like a boat shoe. We got some that are uh, the classic is more of like a fancier loafer. Probably wouldn't walk the dog in, but you could wear out to nicer occasions. So and they got women's shoes as well, and they are offering their shotgunners or sickos, whatever the hell these people get sensitive about their what we call our audience. They got so, chuckas too. Chuckas. Don't forget the chuckas. Women's shoes, women's boat shoes. Um, they are listeners first, so they have the shotgun start discount SGS. When uh, is the discount code? You get fifteen percent off your first order plus an extra set of bearings. Customize them. I can. I'll take a picture. Share a picture of mine. I got BMP, my uh, uh, initials monogrammed on one of them, and then the BC colors on another. That's a nice twist. Extra bearings. Um, so RioMarsShoes.com. SGS is the product. Uh, is the promo code fifteen percent off. Um. What else? You got anything else to say about Riomar? I mean, great shoes. They came in to sponsor the Players' Championship. Players' Championship got canceled. Riomar did not. Still need shoes. Still get shoes shipped to your house. Not as socially irresponsible, I I don't believe. Yeah, you're you're not going to a store and trying on shoes. Is this the best time to (laughs) Well, that's the other thing. If it doesn't fit right, they will happily exchange send back forth until you're right whether it's yeah you, know, you this is you should not be going and trying on shoes now <laughs> no so realmarshoes.com thanks to them they're uh of the tribe listeners and actually like this is legitimately a product that i i need and actually would wear but they're i think this fits our audience pretty well and that's why we took them on so support us support uh us via Supporting Riomar. And again, SGS is the uh, promo code there, 15% off. All right, shall we move on? Final bit of news before we do this new segment here. PGL taking a couple uh, big hits, punch, haymakers, big punch, punches with uh, Brooksy, which I got to say, I did not see this coming. The way it, certainly I didn't see him doing this right now, and I didn't see him articulating it in the way he did. And John Rahm. <clears throat> also saying he wants to stay on the PGA Tour. Uh, Bubba Watson 
chimed in on Twitter, just sort of kind of was he even out. invited? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I think he'd already said this too. I don't know. He's just I don't know if he's tweeting for impressions and a downtime or what what's going on there. He's tweeting from his he's gets to just do what he wants to do. He gets to hang out at his ice cream shop. I was gonna say, is he at the candy shop? The ice cream shop? Is he maybe he's up in the Greenbrier Mountains of Greenbrier? You know, I, forgot, with I forgot that he was a uh, a Greenbrier ambassador. That may have changed, but yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so, Brooksy, I, I mean, you really articulated this uh, in, impressively. Whether you're pro PGL, pro PGA Tour, like I, I thought the way he talked about the, this was Doug Ferguson. I am out of the PGL to Doug Ferguson, Associated Press. I'm out of the PGL. I'm going with the PGA Tour. I have a hard time believing golf should be about just 48 players. I get that the stars are what people come to see, but these guys who we see win, who have been grinding for 10 or 15 years, that's what makes the cool stories. I'd have a hard time looking at guys and putting them out of a job. I don't forget where I've come from. There are guys from that top 125 who could be the next star. Um, not inaccurate, you know, not rise, inaccurate. rising his way up through the challenge tour kind of wasn't a top recruit, maybe top junior player. Didn't he want to go to UF and he didn't get a spot? I, I thought I was I, told went to Florida state. I think I read that somewhere. Um, I think he's the first one that really hit the nail on like what the weakness of the PGL is. Well, the Saudi money is certainly a weakness and Rory's hit on that. But yeah, like the idea of just a guy popping up and blowing up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's the thing. You get these. I mean, I mean nobody's going to want to watch Phil play until he's that's like what I'm saying. There's some real fat on the that you could end up with on this. Right. And you, you miss out on a. I don't know. Hey, I can't do, think of do you cop think, cat type, but. Go does, ahead. does Westy get to be in the next Masters if it doesn't happen this year? Well, that was my other thinking. Like, if they have it, in, say October fifteenth, would is the qualifications all the same? Are you, you just keep the OWGR from the week before whenever you're holding it? Probably, right? I would think. Would that make know. like the Greenbrier the most important tournament of the year? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I would think if you earned your spot into this masters you have a spot in the next one but they they are notorious they they don't want their field pushing 100 guys what are you going to do you're going to combine them i mean granted there's gonna be a ton of overlap there but you're going to be adding a lot of players right i don't know so anything else about brooksy's comments i mean i think uh they've got a tough uh tough road ahead here now the pgl yeah and then John Rahm, I mean, it was impressive. He seems to, more than the Saudi cash, which seems to be Rory's hang-up, is um, I, I don't think, know, he doesn't want to put a bunch of guys out of work or something, he thinks. He, he wants to keep that strong. I, I don't know. Maybe against his own self-interest. I appreciate Kepka's stance on it because he is the guy that would, you know, like that is, he is the story, right, that we would lose. Potentially. Yeah. yeah. Especially if there's less opportunity in golf, we'd probably have less great players coming up. Sure. Sure. I mean, 
I just want the tour to change. Yeah, well, yes, yes. And this like is this current the, the current system stinks. Yeah, this is coming from the guy who said, like, you know, I, when you see me, I practice, and I don't, you know, I, you know, PJ Tour events are practiced for the majors, kind of thing. Like, he hasn't exactly been Mister PJ Tour over the last two plus years, but he's really riding in for the whole structure here. Rom talking to Eamon Lynch of Golf Week says, I think what I'm going to do is just focus on the PGA Tour. At the end of the day, I'm a competitor. I'm a PGA Tour member. I'm going to stay that way. I'm a young player. The PGA Tour has been doing things extremely well. Hopefully, I have a long career ahead of, on, ahead on the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour has done such a great job with what we have, and I'm really thankful for what they've done. Um, do you think... I mean, is this coordinated... I mean, they really did the tour kind of circle the wagons after getting popped in the popped in the nuts this week with the circumstances out of their control. I mean, if you're doing a cost benefit of this, if you lose the players for a week for obvious, very serious circumstances, it's 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 on the business side. It's very bad for the tour this week. What they lost and the business side is not a priority, but they lost a lot of money. But they come out of it with maybe like a couple massive blows to an existential threat. All in all, it's not the worst week they've ever had. You know? Yeah, I'd agree. The one thing in Eamon's article that's interesting is that Jay Mahan made it clear to his players in January that anyone who committed to the league would no longer be able to play the tour, which contradicts completely the idea of independent contractors. Yeah. Like, our guys can play wherever they want. Rory's like, oh, I don't want to be told where I have to play. And Monahan told him, I, you can't play here if you play there. He did seem, he would not answer the, somebody pushed him on it, like, would you be immediately ineligible? So say, like, you commit to it and, I mean, granted, this non-coronavirus world where the schedule proceeds, say you commit to it in the middle of the summer. I mean, are you immediately off the tour, kicked off the tour? Doesn't seem like he'd be able to do that, would he? So, nah. um, you're right. It does kind of run con- counter to the whole independent contractor thing, but, uh, PGL seems to be the Brooks one is massive. That's now the top three players in the world that have bailed. Yeah. You know? The Brooks one's big, you know, Ram's number two in the world, but he doesn't have four majors, you know? Yeah. I think the, I think there's some resentment for Phil becoming like the face of this. I think these young guys, like, whatever. I, I just don't know. Like, if, if Phil was going to somehow become the, the ringmaster on this thing, I think these guys are like, well, the hell with that. He's not, like, a competitive player that much anymore, you know? Pops mm-hmm. up a couple times a year. So, uh, And I think they also think of Phil as being pretty unscrupulous, like many others outside of the locker room do. All right. That's it. Any other news you want to talk about? I, I don't think there's anything else. One day we'll do your PGA, PGL schedule. Maybe after the thing has been fully dead and buried with all nails in the coffin. That would be, that would yeah. fit. Then well. you'll do your PGL schedule. All right. Should we debut this new segment? Here, here's what we've potentially just buried. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's the, shotgun, the shotgun spotlight. SGS Spotlight, Shotgun Spotlight. We're going. You explain it. It's 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 your baby, probably more more much more your concept. 
this is kind of something that I've always wanted to do. Is it's just I feel like we've got all these this great history of the game and and with these great players, and uh, we don't really remember them always the way we should. So coming up with just a pod where we break down careers of all time greats, their personalities, their achie- on course achievements, their their good moments, their bad moments. Their notable quotes, and eventually, what our goal is is this kind of plays into the Hall of Fame as it exists now. Stinks. Oh yeah, it's not even. It's not real. It stinks. It's beyond stinks. It's just a. It's a ghost town. It's a. It's. It's. It's, it's a state-run media. Yeah, it's compromised. There's no. Yeah, absolutely no. Uh, I don't know. No weight carries no authority at all. The goal in the long run of this is we're going to examine the top players ever in the game of golf. Ever, ever? Are we focusing on one era right now? We're going to start with one era, but to get one, you have to fully understand eras before you assign, you know, greatness to different players. Okay. So let's, let's, let's fully, let's fully understand one era. What era do we want this to be? Sort of the OWGR era kind of yeah, nineties. Into the turn of the century. We're starting with Monty. These are going to be Monty adjacent players. Okay. Could be a little younger than Monty. Could be a little older than Monty off the bat. So Monty is the, all right, there we go. And then, and then from there, we'll probably go further back. Yeah. Sure. Um, but this is the start. We think this will be really fun. First of all, Monty's obviously a fertile, fertile ground to, to farm here for our leadoff, but I don't know. You're going to see a lot of different creative ideas and we're open to all of them. Send them to us while no golf is going on. I think we'll still talk about flashback Fridays and the events that would be happening and things like that. But I don't know. We just watching old tournaments and talking about them. You, you'll probably get that. But this I think is fun in a way that when we talk about Woody Austin, maybe you don't remember this insane quote. And now that will become part of the shotgun start cannon. Yeah, so kind of things. So this, let's lead, lead off with Monty. There's plenty of insane quotes and controversies and greatness. You want to take the baton? There is truly greatness. That is that is a fact. All right. So Monty, you know Monty was one of the first European players to play college golf in the United States. Did you know for, that? For the listeners, I just want to say, Andy, he goes, so Monty. He just folded his arms across his chest and started swiveling in his chair, just like he's getting ready to deliver this big speech, you know, uh, just so happy to start talking about it. I've been looking forward to it all day. I've been doing research all day. <laughs> started swiveling got... in your chair with your arms crossed like a giddy uh, schoolboy. Didn't all realize right, so... how much time I had on my hands. So Houston Baptist. Yes. You're telling me he was one of the first players to do this, do the whole Euro to American college system? Yeah, like first one of the first British golfers to do the American college system, which it's a really interesting thing when you consider, and we'll get into this later, his, his troubles with America. Right. He went to college in America. Loved it, apparently, too. So, he goes, oh, I loved Houston. <laughs> Uh, Houston Baptist. There was some quote in there from Billy Andre. Yes, I have it. I have it pulled. But up. like the oddest thing is that like American fans turned on him because he was like 
this guy who just did went to Houston, loved Houston, not Houston Cougars, Houston Baptist. Do you want the quote? He was dating some girl that had a skybox at the Astrodome or something. Do you want the full quote? Yeah. Monty, in my opinion, brought this all on himself. Of all the Europeans to come over to the U.S., he was the most Americanized. He went to Houston Baptist University. He dated a girl whose father had a suite at the Astrodome. I always thought when I played with him, it was amazing that he was the only—he was the one that let people get to him. Yeah, so he, so he was one of the first people to do this, and this became a massive thing. Like even for you know high division one mid majors you know you had the whole grand mcdowell goes to uab like these just random that whole east danny well it went to jacksonville state the east tennessee program that gets all the irish guys i mean i think roy mcelroy was committed there or mm-hmm. was gonna go there that it just becomes a thing a real uh, pipeline so so Monty he, was got one of the godfathers of this move. he was a great amateur player he won. He played the played for played in two uh, Walker Cups. Uh, he actually was thinking about being a agent Dude, before he turned yeah. pro. I had this quote. Did you see that? I don't. What quote? It's kind of insane how you almost went to IMG. Yeah. So here's here's the segment on that. After he uh, graduated, he considered a job at IMG. He goes, "This is." an interview with Shane O'Donohue in Golf Magazine. And in 86, at the Open Championship at Turnberry, Greg Norman won it. And Ian Todd, who was the president of IMG, was playing the course on Monday after the Open. They asked me to join them for the back nine as a job interview. I was going to use my business management degree that I had got in America to manage the likes of Nick Price, you know, the, the full IMG stable. And I thought it would be fantastic. So I played Turnberry with two senior IMG executives. I shot 29 on the back nine. And afterward, they said, well, Colin, that was impressive. You're not going to work for us. We're going to work for you. And he quickly changed my view of my career path. Next year, he won the Scottish Amateur and Walker Cup. Played well at the Walker Cup. So that's nuts, right? Monday after the Open, he shoots 29 as a job interview. Pretty awesome. That's crazy. (laughs) So his rookie year is 88. 1988. Yep. He uh, he's rookie of the year on the European tour. Signs of big things to come. He wins his first event, the 1989 Portuguese Open TPC. I don't know. You know that, that rookie of the year award is a great. It's like Sir Henry Cotton rookie of the <laughs> yeah. year award or something. Just much better than whatever they got. The PJ Tour is like you know whatever the KPMG something some brand that throw in there. So go ahead. So, he, Portuguese. Oh. so his first win, he won by 11 shots. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's so right. that that was kind of like the launching pad up, right? This guy's pretty good. Yeah. He um he he plays on the European Ryder Cup team in 91. That was his first. And he played on every Ryder Cup team through 2006. From he that played point. on the Ryder Cup in 91? He, won, he won, played a Kiwa. He played the war on the shore. Yeah, that's right. So in singles, the, he had his big moment. In singles, he was five down to Kalkavecchia, uh after the front nine. And he battled back to have the match. Two very kind of 
irascible characters. <laughs> great, great match to watch. <laughs> coming from different cuts of the cloth. I mean, Monty was sort of a, a, a from a well-to-do circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. I think I read his dad was like a executive at a place called Fox's Biscuits. Fox's Biscuits, yes. Is that those are cookies? Am I? Am I? Uh, in, in I think Britain? so. I think it must so be popular tea cookies or something. So he was a Scotsman, but he kind of came up in England. We're following his dad, and that was the thing with IMG. Like his dad was like turning pro is like a risky adventure. Let's like do an actual, you know, job. So. So I All don't right. I don't want to get too in the weeds with his, you know, blow by blow career accomplishments. So we're just going to we're going to hit the highlights here because there's okay. so much stuff in here. And then we'll get into some different segments. Right. Miscellaneous. So, OK. All right. So he he won 40 times worldwide, 31 times on the European tour. Zero 72 whole stroke play events on the United States soil. Right. Until Zero. champion. Okay. So zero PGA tour wins. Um, he spent 367 consecutive weeks in the top 10 of the official world golf rankings. Incredible. That Did was, he had 400 weeks in the top 10. He had over 400 to, in his career, but he had 367 consecutive straight Holy from cow. 94 through 2001. So he he didn't win any majors, which he's arguably the greatest player. Arguably, that puts never, you in a tight spot. It's, it's it's argue arguably the greatest player never to win a major. He had five runner ups though. He had. Do you know who has more major starts than him without one? There are two guys. I don't. Westy, Jay Haas. More the only two players with more major starts and no without a title. Just speaks to the longevity of obviously qualifying and being in all those fields and yeah, not getting one. All right. So, so con- three three uh five runner up three yeah. of them in US opens. He finished he he, he lost in a eighteen hole playoff in ninety four at Oakmont to Ernie Els. Ernie Els. Lauren Roberts, the boss of the moss, was also boss in that. <laughs> Yep. Monday, 18 hole playoff. Monday, 18. So lost to Ernie. Then he lost in uh, 97 again in the U.S. Congo. Open. Congo to L's again. I think he bogeyed the 71st hole. Yes. And then uh, and then in 06 to Ogilvy, which we'll get very yeah. in the weeds on this one. At Wingfoot, at at the massacre at Wingfoot. Then in 95, he lost the PGA. He lost in a playoff to Elkington, which he birdied the last three holes to get into the playoff. And then uh, he finished runner-up to Tiger in 05 um, at the Open at St. Andrews. He lost by five shots there. So, I mean, when you talk about the guys he lost to, you know, Ernie and Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, he lost to two Pantheon guys, three of them. And, you know, Elkington had a very good career. And, you know, the the Wingfoot one we'll get into, he kind of blew. Can we talk about one that he didn't finish runner-up but finished third? Yes. Which is really his big major. Yeah, 92. 92 at the U.S. Open. You want to hit on this? Or you want me to talk about it? I, I don't have notes written down, so you hit on it. 
All right. So he finished third at the Pebble Beach US Open, the one that Tom Kite won. So this is like early in his days. He's rookie of the year, 88. Uh, and this is like really his first. I don't think he played in a major until 1990. I think this was his first US Open, maybe. But yes, it was his first US Open, Pebble Beach. So here's the Jaime Diaz in the New York Times, 1992. Jack Nicholas told him congrats on winning the U.S. Open. He entered so, the day 28th, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's way out in front. So Montgomery, this is Jaime Diaz, who hit shots seemingly touched by destiny, pushed kite. Uh, let me get the details of this. Touched by destiny. Montgomery was in the clubhouse at even par. The 28-year-old Scotsman teed off three hours before the final group in 28th position, six shots behind Gil Morgan, the leader. Heavy winds that pounded Pebble Beach did not hit Montgomery until he was on the more inland back nine, and it became a change in goals. I wasn't thinking all about winning the golf tournament, but my goals changed as the day progressed. Monty, who was a low-ball hitter, played with a control fade, birdied the second, the eighth, and the tenth. Two perilous par fours along the cliffs. Birdie and eight and ten is pretty good. The U.S. Open yeah. final round. Um, but he uh, bogeyed seventeen. In the eighteenth, a par could very well make him the Open Championship. He pulled his eight iron into a greenside bunker, but he did get up and down from a good lie. Um, Think about hitting an eight iron at eighteen. Yeah, kind of crazy. At that I guess, moment, I guess Chess was doing it last year. So he shot a even par. <laughs> what was the yardage? Two eighteen or something like that. Maybe two twenty two. Right. I don't know. Two oh eight. He gets in the clubhouse at even par, and uh, in the ABC Tower before he goes up for his interview, Jack Nicholas shakes his hand and says, "Congratulations on your first U.S. Open victory." Proved to be reminiscent of Nicholas being congratulated by Jack Whitaker in the scorer's tent in 82 when he was tied for the lead moments before Watson holed the shot on the 17. Just as Jack said it, kite chipped in, says Monty. Then he turned away. Can you imagine that? He was Jack Nicholas tells him congratulations on winning your first U.S. Open. So I, I found this quote. I, I can't. I didn't copy it. I didn't paste it into my doc. I found a quote where Monty talked about that and he goes, you know, I was, I'm so, you know, I'm so happy Rory got his early because yeah, I, I needed that. to get mine early and my chance was that U S open and I didn't get mine early. Just and, kind of like a sneaky one. You didn't expect to have coming in 28th place at the start of the day. Mm-hmm. So it's, he's like, cause then it wears on you and it just gets worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any other close? Well, the one at Riv PGA birdied the last three yeah, holes. The elk one. And he was inside Elkington. So they play the 18th and they both in a playoff. Uh, yeah. And they, the playoff, he was inside Elkington. Elkington made a 20 footer for birdie. Um, uh, so night so that us open kind of launched, uh, Monty into superstardom. So, he then goes on. He so he wins eight European Tour Order of Merits. This is a, nuts. This might be his most impressive feat right? in a twelve-year stretch. So he won seven straight, starting in ninety-three through ninety-nine. Seven straight. Imagine, imagine somebody winning the Wyndham Rewards bullshit. 
seven straight years. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. Competition's not, you know, it, it was. It was pretty good it, then. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Better, better than the European tour today. Yes, it's not as thin as it is now. And arguably comparable at this point. What was odd was that he won the player of the year only like three times. But four times. Four. four times. But why did he? But he wins the Order of Merit every well, year. They gave it to Westy a couple times in there. Okay. They wanted a little change. Mix it up. Okay. So um, it, we're just running down. We're, we'll get more into the into the into the Order of Merit things. But he, uh, he in Ryder Cup singles, he went six zero and two. So one of the halves was that coming back from five down in his first Ryder Cup ever. The other half, he was going to win the hole at Valderrama. That was the Calcavecchia one? He was five down? Yeah. So, okay. so 97 in Valderrama, he was going to win the hole in, in, against Scott Hoke. And they had already won the, the match. And Seve, like convinced him to, give, to concede the hole to Hoke. So, so that's his other half. Oh, no. <laughs> Overall, yeah. hit 36. Probably burns him inside, though. Oh, probably, probably pisses him off. Although, you know, Payne Stewart gave him that one in 99, right? I mean, yeah. kind of just conceded the... Go ahead. Um, so, overall, he was 29 and 7. Whew. Just kind of amazing, you know? That he doesn't get it done in majors but like in the crucible of the Ryder cup and and often on adversarial soil he's like automatic yeah i he said i got his quote down here somewhere um he said i don't know what it is with me in the Ryder cup i much prefer being part of a team rather than the individual setup it's interesting because he certainly alienated certain people throughout his career, as we'll get to in controversies. <laughs> go ahead. You're running the controversies. Oh, all right. I can do that. <laughs> um, so he still today ranks ninth on the European Tour all-time money list. Still ninth? Still ninth. That hasn't really been competitive since like... <laughs> he doesn't even play on the European Tour. Yeah. He hasn't played for like 15 years. <laughs> um, his best year was 99. He won six times, which uh, was pretty crazy. So... It, we'll get Wentworth. It. Didn't he win Wentworth like three, three times? Three straight years. Okay. okay. He won the BMW, that PGA Championship. He won three straight years, 98 through 2000. Which is their players. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, all right, so Monty, I'm gonna his. I'm this is gonna be a segment of this best moment. Okay, I'm saying honorable mentions the '91 Ryder Cup coming back from five That's, down. Yeah, pretty good. Best moment is him clinching his seventh straight Order of Merit. Okay, I can buy that. I mean, that yeah speaks to. Ridiculous amount of consistency and longevity. So he won it six times this year, and and the last event was a WGC. So the end of the Order of Merit coincided with this brand new WGC system. Oh. Monty was, was pissed. Was that? 
because because uh, Jose Maria uh, or not uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez and uh, Tiger were in a playoff, and, and Jimenez won. He won a million bucks, and oh. he would have won more money than Mati for the year because of just of... how absurdly high the purse was for this WGC. It sort was... of like the Zozo Japan throwing the money list off in Japan tour. Asian... Ex- exactly. So so Monty, Monty <laughs> finished here. like T20. He had like a horrible last round because he was really in a bad mood about this. So here's him after the round. He goes, this tournament makes a mockery of our tour. A tour of 38 weeks should not come down to one week at the end. It's a shame. I've had my best year ever, and it wasn't safe. I haven't been under such stress in a long time. (laughs) Oh, I love that he's just roasting. So um, here's here's like a little tidbit. This is from an old ESPN article in 99. WGCs too, Monty. Right on that. How impressive is Callum Montgomery's seven straight money titles in Europe? He overtook Spain's Seve Ballesteros, who won the award six times overall, but not consecutively. On the U.S. PGA Tour, Nicholas won a record eight money titles, and Tom Watson has the longest streak, uh, streak record with four. Nobody comes close to this bulging portfolio acquired on the PGA Tour of Japan, uh, Japan uh, by Jumbo Ozaki. Jumbo has topped his home tourist money list 11 times with five straights since 95. So Montgomery said, it's getting tougher. The standard behind me is improving all the time. And whether it's going to happen eight times or not, I'll be trying. So it did not happen an eighth straight time. Westy was the one that knocked him off his throne. The stopper. The Monty stopper. (laughs) Monty stopper. I like that. (laughs) So... Monty was a little ahead of his time because he saw these WGCs and he was a little fed up. He was hot under the collar this week. (laughs) So he said, the calendar year is not big enough. There are not enough weeks in the year. We can't fit them all in. I don't know what we do. There are new tournaments coming in all the time and there's no place for them. Oh my God. And then just one no place for it. It's overcrowded schedule. Yeah. Schedule. 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 He's a schedule, schedule guy. So uh, it's he had this great quote about about the European Tour money titles. People were like asking him, like, yeah, you know, why do you keep winning the? He goes, it's not that that I want so much to win it. I just don't want anyone else to win it. What does that mean? He didn't really care that much about he winning didn't care it. He, he just wanted everyone else to fail? Yeah. Or what does that mean? Just wanted to watch the world burn. It's a schadenfreude type. That's All right. Interesting. You want to get into some co- controversies? Well, I mean, sure. I mean, do we have another hour? Um, <laughs> we'll just do some of, the, some of the greatest hits. Maybe his kind of hard luck and love or, I don't know, fooling around on people he was otherwise married to. Um, oh, one one last thing about his overarching career. He yeah. did have a dip. He came back in the mid-2000s, but he went through a divorce, and it was a, it was a bad divorce. And oh, yeah. I've was, got that. You got there. that? All right. Well, no, go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> the, the citation that his wife at the time claimed was that. In court. In court. <laughs> in court. <laughs> These are in court documents. Beamer. 
that his life. They had his, three kids. His obsession was with of with goth was was the reason for their divorce. She sued for divorce on grounds of unreasonable behavior due to his <laughs> obsession with golf, claiming it left her with suffering from anxiety and depression. Unreasonable behavior because he was obsessed with golf. And that was like that led to like a kind of a spike in or I'm sorry, a, a his play plummeting, right? This divorce. Yes. He so had three boys. Can I just say before we get into controversies? I was reading up and I found this just quote just amazing. They were asked him like if he was a range rat, and he said, No, no, not at all. Here was his response. One disadvantage of living in Scotland is the weather. So no, I don't practice that much and I never really did. People you gotta wait stay with me until the end. People say it's to my detriment, but I tend to think the amount of people on a range in a European tour event practicing their mistakes and cementing those errors. I never did that. Physically, I feel about 35. This was in like 2015. He said this. <laughs> Physically, I feel about 20. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let me make sure I got the date right. 2015. Yeah. Physically, I feel about 35 because I haven't had any injuries. Tiger Woods is a classic example of how practice, practice, practice doesn't work. <laughs> Is that, is it? Does it work? Tiger? Did you know that Masti got like short of breath of the senior players a few years ago? No. He feels 35. Can I just say Tiger Woods is an example of how practice, practice, practice doesn't work? Doesn't work. Was Tiger's career just like chopped? I understand he got hurt, but I think Brent, it worked Brendan, out. Right. He didn't win. He didn't win seven straight. Order of <laughs> he, he was just you know number one in the world for seven straight years. Probably God doesn't work. I had to read that. It's like, can you come up with a different example other than Tiger Woods? All right. Um, other controversies. I mean, I think it kind of always boils down to the uh, fractious relationship with the American golf fan. The rabbit ears. Yeah, the rabbit ears. So this really started, and he it it came around. Oh, my God. I'm looking at these articles of pictures. <laughs> the pictures Monty takes. I just, like, start laughing, burst out laughing. Um, so Monty's, you know, what became really a decade of just sort of back and forth with the American golf fan started in earnest in 97 in Congo where he was getting for whatever reason he was getting heckled getting popped here in Maryland lost to L's as we mentioned and he started going back at him um, he was just they were just the fans were overserved, whatever hitting him with insults he sh- pipes back and calls one a pillock which is a British slang for a wanker from what I understand a pillock and he just kept, he started going back at him and just said, you know, you're ugly Americans, you're a pillock. Um, you know, he said, why don't you save that for the Ryder Cup? And, you know, when they were heckling him, save it for the Ryder Cup. So that like really started just what a became pillock. a pillock, decade of, of nonsense. Um, 99, it got like super bad. That's where they called and said, said they had rabbit ears, you know, and, and to be fair, Brookline, the crowds were 
pretty rowdy. Players are rowdy. That's still talked about. How, how do you think Patrick Reed would have dealt with what Monty went through? Not well. Not well. I mean, I read some quote about his dad, like how they had um, defiled the great game, the fans in Brookline. <laughs> he like walked his dad walked off the course in the middle of the match with uh, Stewart and Payne. Of course, conceded the match there, but after your uh, U.S. had locked up the cup, but the one about his dad saying uh his lifelong love of the game has taken an irreparable blow his dad said about it was as if the very game had been defiled james uh montgomery said of collins abuse uh it really just all stems from 97 in brookline then you know Faraday calls him mrs doubtfire comes up with that name the mrs doubtfire name and so that becomes like a common heckle from like the 2000s and into, you know, late 90s into 2000s, which I think they don't like each other very much, Monty and Faraday, or they didn't stem in from that. And Faraday doesn't have like a good explanation for it. He's like, I just thought he looked like Mrs. Doubtfire. It's not like stemming from some controversy or confrontation. Um, the Mrs. Doubtfire nickname. That's yeah. an old one. I guess they gave it. They used to call uh, Faraday that. They did. Yeah, it was reused. It was a recycled nickname. No, when? Because that movie wasn't up when. I just I I read it somewhere. Really? Mm-hmm. So, but then by by the end, of, there's no like nothing too. Ninety nine was the was the worst one, but he talks about like by the end of it, like two thousand six or I'm sorry, like 2015, like when he's given all these interviews as a champions tour winner and he's, you know, I think probably winning made him lighten up. He's like, it was all my fault. He takes like ownership. I made the mistake. I answered back. I paid for it for about 10 years, starting with that 97, like just heckled every time he played in America. And he really only played the players in the majors. You know, he wasn't over here much. Yeah. Um, he, he, but in 2006, there were a lot of fans rooting for Monty. At uh, at Wakefoot. Uh, other controversies. I mean, off the course, he's just been all over the place. We talked about how unreasonable behavior due to obsession of golf. <laughs> uh, it's like the ultimate divorce reason. I mean, I guess you can bring that cord. I don't know. Uh, over there, I, I don't know. <laughs> don't then, tell, don't tell my wife that. Then he just he just kind of went on a run after getting divorced. Rich, famous, and suddenly single for the first time in over a de- decade, Montgomery embarked on a string of whirlwind, whirlwind relationships. <laughs> the first was Joe Baldwin, which was a friend of his ex-wife. Um, then he dated some Spanish model. Uh, talk about like, you know, I'm kicking your coverage or whatever. Ines Sastra dated her and he's just separated. You know, he, he had a flame with Miss England, Helen Westlake and BBC Scotland journalist, Alison Walker, like just all these high profile women. I guess that's what happens when you're the order of merit winner. And then he got married again to this, uh, uh, what's her name? Gainer, who we got a divorce from, and they started 
suing each other. Um, they both sued each other. Gaynor Knowles, his ex-wife, they're both suing each other for $5 million. He demanded payments of 6,500 pounds a month, while she demanded $5 million plus 10,000 pounds per month. So and it was all stemming from a house, and he got divorced. He, he was caught cheating on her like a couple of times. And I guess they, they maybe stayed together for to, so he had someone at the Ryder Cup. There's all these like rumors. I don't want to get too salacious, but like, did they stay together for the Ryder Cup when she caught him like texting a lover in 2010 ahead of the Ryder Cup? So another divorce. They were fighting over a house. She was the ex of a, a furniture tycoon. So she had her own money. And that's why they sued each other for cash. Um, what else? I mean, other controversies besides off the course stuff. There's Jakarta Gate. Do you know what Jakarta Gate is? And this is not my own cheeky term. This is what they called it. Is this the Sandy Lyle thing? Yes. But this was like the talk of the tour back in uh, 2005. Um, so there was a... There was a uh, rain like delay, a, right? Rain, storm warning. He just picked his ball up out of the bunker. I allegedly didn't mark it. And Gary Evans, who now does TV work, just ripped into him, accused him of cheating. Allegedly, the next day he put his ball in like a much better lie, much better stance of a place in a bunker. Uh, Gary Evans said he didn't. I don't know. It's unprofessional not to mark your ball, uh, and so they didn't use the word cheating. But uh, you know, I have seen players mark their ball on the green and put two pegs on either side. You know, with the storm coming in, and it's just like this was. It like kind of consumed the entire European tour in 2005. They're talking about it at Wentworth, talking about it months later. It became this big thing because Monty was, you know, he wasn't as good as he used to be, but he's still a high profile player. So Sandy Lyle, two Scotsmen, just does a total drive by shooting (laughs) on this matter, like five years later at the Open Championship, of which he's not even playing. At Turnberry, the 09 Turnberry, the one with Tom Watson. Just two days before the start of the Open Championship, Sandy Lyle had to drive to Turnberry and hold a press conference apologizing. He wasn't even in the field. <laughs> apologizing for just burying Monty. Because um, people were mad at do Lyle. Think, do you think he was wearing all Open Championship gear when he did the presser? <laughs> Maybe he was playing, but this made it he sound had like been he was playing. Well, it made it sound like he wasn't playing that year. I don't know. I, he was asked repeatedly. So, so Lyle in 08, the year before Carnoustie, right? That was 08. Um, he was like 10 over through 11 holes in double, WD. So he was getting pressed about, like, you know, it was unsporting. Did you really WD? He's pressed about this with the Open coming up again. Uh, oh, he wasn't supposed to be at Turnberry on Tuesday. That's what, Maybe he was supposed to be at the Open, but he wasn't even supposed to be there Tuesday of the week. Showed up for a hastily called news camp conference to read a statement and take questions. He was getting pressed on this, and he goes, like, what did he say? He's, he's like, I don't know, Monty, Monty in 2005 just openly cheated and moved his ball out of nowhere. 
Like he just went right back to it. You believe Montgomery placed his ball in the wrong position after a rain delay. It was like he was looking for something to talk about, and he just pulled back an old hit. But what makes Jakartigate even more kind of appealing is that Monty donated his entire check that he won to charity. So he kind of like admitted wrongdoing and donated his check, which like all these guys pounced on and made it part of like the, the controversy for the entire year. Anyways, this was this became a huge thing. The two like these two famous Scots, Monty and Lyle, allegedly hating each other because he just threw them under the bus. People were asking him why he WD. Jakartigate. So, Jakartigate. That's a big controversy. Um, I don't know. I've got a bunch more. I'll leave it at that. The off the course stuff, the US fans, which he eventually came around on, and uh the Sandy Lyle Scotsman feud. All right. We'll go to this big what if moment. All right. 06 U.S. Open. Wingfoot. Everybody thinks about Phil for this. Monty, way, way, wor- way worse meltdown than Phil, really, when you think about it. Middle of the fairway. <laughs> five gets you in the playoff. Four wins you the, wins you the U.S. Open, and he, he walks away with a six. You know, middle of the fairway, that was the hardest thing to do was hit the fairway out there. On 18. On 18. So, uh, 06 open, uh, Monty starts. He was the only player under par through one round. Shot 69. 22 of the 156-man field failed to break 80. 35 players, including defending champion Michael Campbell and two-time champion Retief Goosen, failed to make a single birdie. So, flash forward to Sunday, he trails Phil by four going into the final round. He just had an epic front nine. He played great. Just played yep. outstanding round. But, obviously, he doubles the... Doubles he really the likes this chaser. I mean, talk about kind of like 92. He was six back. Now, 14 years later, he's four back. So, it up. middle of the fairway, he chunks a seven iron short. <laughs> gets into this awful lie. Hits it to like 30 feet and three putts. <laughs> the three putt from 30 feet. Wasn't he between clubs, the six and seven? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He thought adrenaline, so he went, he, went seven. He went the seven. He chunked it a little. Didn't he blame VJ for like having yes, to wait Yes, I'm about to get all into right, that. All right, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so afterwards, he said, right after, he said, you wonder sometimes why you put yourself through this. At my age, I've got to think positively. I'm 43 next week, and it's nice I can come back to this tournament and do well again. And I look forward to coming back here again next year and try another U.S. Open disaster. This is the first time that I've really messed up. Other chances I've had, other players have done very well. That's okay. You're entitled to a couple mess-ups along the way. And that was from Karen Krause's New York Times piece. Here's Lawrence Donegan, who covered Monty for a number of years from claimed, the Garden. He claimed like, everyone else beat him in the other ones, but this one he beat himself on, right? Yes. that Which was kind of hard to say with Phil doing what he did behind him, but man, whatever. I, I get what he's saying. So, Donegan, he deserved to win. In purely golfing terms, he played everyone else off the course. He hit more fairways, found more greens. And with the gruesome exception of 18, hold more putts when it mattered. 
But there was only one statistic that matters, the number of strokes. And in the end, he took one more than Jeff Ogilvy. Man, God. I mean, people just think about that with Phil pulling driver. Three-putted from 30 feet after chunking. Yeah. And he got, he got, he got frozen. They froze him. VJ, right? Okay, so he wrote an article for the, for the National uh, Club Golfer detailing this and i'm going to read some of it for you okay i had five major runner-ups uh four where i was beaten one where i beat myself so people talk about that one and uh, that of course was wingfoot in 2006 everyone thought it was my time i had done the difficult thing and i hit the fairway at the 18th that shot actually won me the european tour shot of the month what the drive in the yes, fairway? Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> Just hitting the 18th fairway. Nobody was doing it. So he did the hard part. Things went against me in the timing situation. If I had played that shot in real time, I would have won. Unfortunately, PJ Singh hit it silly left off the tee and needed two drops: one to get out of one tent and another to get out of another. And it all it, it all took eight or nine minutes. I'm not blaming VJ, of course, but oh, if my playing like kind of, <laughs> but if my playing partner had hit the fairway, I think <laughs> I would have won the U.S. Open. <laughs> that sounds an odd thing to say, and people will say your playing partner shouldn't affect how you play, but it does. Whether you are slow or fast, you're affected. The protocol is to wait for the players further away. Now with the rules as they are, I wouldn't have been thought badly had I hit it, uh, had I played in real time, which is what I would have done. I'm a fast player, sometimes to my detriment. And the longer people are over a putt, you think he's going to miss, uh, to miss, as there are too many negative thoughts. So I, I I'm not going to keep going. That's but, unbelievable. But then he goes, he goes. I fatted it. Between my second and third shot, I, I was still hopeful as I didn't realize I had such a poor lie, and from there I could only hit the middle of the green. I thought I could get up and down. Uh, whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> then he so. said, afterwards, I had a few. I had a couple of glasses of red wine in the player's lounge and flew back with my manager, Guy Kinnings. Oh, God. And that was it. That was his last close call, no? So after, and this is how he signed off the article. After my personal troubles, I thought I was getting back to a position where I could and probably would win a major, but that was the last time I ever contended. Jeez. What do you do at the Masters? It's best as a T8. Best T8. Yeah. Didn't he play with Tiger on that Saturday? Was the, that was when that fade draw thing was a big deal. Because Monty hit a fade. Yeah, and he's, yeah. You want to draw it at Augusta. Right, right, right. Martin Keimer. Oh, let me play the clip. Because he played, I think he played with Tiger on Saturday. Yeah. And then he just fell off the face of the earth on Sunday and finished T30. Constantine Hiroko was playing with Tiger. Paul Stankowski was involved, I believe. Tommy Tolls. Here's what Monty said on the at the press conference Saturday night after playing. to say is one brief comment today and there is no 
chance we're all human beings here and there's no chance humanly possible that tiger woods is going to lose this tournament no way i love that yeah i love that no way like nobody's gonna say that on like a saturday night now you know Monty. No. they would he's, get killed he's like you know tiger played with nine irons and i was like just trying to get home in two you know it's amazing kind of that was obviously the big change in the guard all right any after, other monty talk yeah i got a few notable quotes after the 2000 Good. pga his third straight um the volvo pga so this is the european pga wentworth wentworth but if i never win a major so what it won't alter my career 2000 <laughs> Sevi Ballesteros, the Ryder Cup has Monty's name engraved on it. Just because of how massive of a Ryder Cup yeah, player yeah. he was. Sevi's throwing him a bone there. Okay. And uh that's it. So lasting legacy. What how do you what do you think of Monty? <sighs> that's a good question. I think this will evolve as we do more and more of these too. He's become such a and he talks about this in articles about like how like going on golf channel made him much more popular with American golf fans. Cause he's like this jolly, like goofball on TV. He makes these ne- never takes a normal p- picture or makes a normal face and people love him on TV. So I think like his legacy with the American golf, like he's super, I found some old clip where he just absolutely buries Jason day. It's like this man has had every ailment in the world. Like now the sheets, now the sheets weren't laundered correctly. He's like amazing on TV. I wish we could get him more on TV. I think his legacy is, is just it, one of the great European tour players of all time. But the whole never even winning a single event on American soil is like kind of one A. It's the one of the top lines, unfortunately, right? It it feels like it keeps him and like if I was gonna redo the Hall of Fame, I feel like Monty's kind of almost the floor. Yeah, but you put him in there. I mean, the seven straight order of merits is absolute bananas. He was so good. Need to look at some of those who was like in the top five on those money lists. It's like West. So it's like I I looked through a bunch of them. It's like Faldo, Westy, Bjorn, Woosnam, um, Ernie, Bernhard Longer. So he kind of came in after. So in the 80s, Europe had this thing called the Big Five. Yep. yep it was yep, Sevi, yep. Faldo, Longer, Woosie. Lyle, and Woozy. And then he was kind of like the bridge to the Westy, Sergio, Ernie era. Gotcha. Gotcha. I don't, what do you think it is? I mean, it's hard to boil down into one sentence as we've now talked about him for ever. I mean, tonight. great player. The no major thing. Five, five runner ups. Say, uh, set aside the American soil thing. I don't want to be that myopic, but like just not winning a major given being in the top 10 for what was it? 400 weeks in a row almost. It's crazy. Like, I don't know. Me personally, like at this point, like his legacy is evolving into this jolly goofball, 
you know, he's out hoarding Mountain Dew and playing, you know, Champions Tour events. But the no major thing is really sort of striking. Because the stats don't lie. It's him, Westwood, and Haas have made the most starts, right? He has, he has only 10 top 10s in majors and 75 starts, too. Ooh. That's not a lot. No. So what was his best major? U.S. Open, by far. Seems to be the U.S. Open. Yeah. U.S. Open, he was a machine. He was great. He was, a, he was a great ball striker. Why not the Open? What happened at the Open, you know? I don't know. Scott, just never. That what I mean, like the other thing, though. God, you look he has at, only one top 10. He was T8 at the 94 Open. No, he, he, he finished second. Oh, I'm sorry. Sec- you're right. You're right. Second. Finish second to oh, uh, yeah oh, to Woods. You, you look at it though, like the guys he lost to. This I think this is always like an important thing when you're looking at majors. Is like who do you lose to? He lost to Ernie and Tiger for three of them. You know. Yeah. That's that almost like in a weird way counts as one. <laughs> All right. I'm serious. Yeah. I, I, I'm uh, sure. Like when you lose to guys, the greatest players of all time, like you can't, it's almost like Malone going up against Jordan. You know, Malone and Stockton, like it's just too bad that they had to play against Jordan, you know? Yeah. Like they probably yeah. would have won one, but they played Clyde against Drexler. Like I mean, Clyde Drexel, Drexler got just blown off the face of the earth by Michael. Well, he won one, he won him later, but yeah. With- Barkley. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. I don't need to go into NBA arguments, but yeah. Draymond Green like popping off of Charles Barkley. Did you see that recently? It's just a bad idea. And people like, like, dude, you're averaging like nine points in your career. Like, you, we really forget how like dominant Barkley was. You know, best player in the league at least for a year. So, um, all right. We'll, right. we'll have more founded opinions on Monty as we go along. It's hard to bake his legacy down to one, one, one statement, one sentence, because he was so good. But then you think about the shortcomings. So, all right, all right, that's this it. Is a good experiment. Probably they won't all be this long. Monty has a lot to work with. We're still getting the format down, but we think we're going to have like a really fun collection of profiles, and then we can talk about them holistically. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think. All right. Everyone enjoy your Mondays. Please let us know safe. what you think. You know, let us know if you like this or not. It will be not as long, probably, as Monty. But uh, send us messages. Stay, you know, give us feedback on it. We're gonna workshop some different ideas with no golf. Stay safe. Stay healthy, and uh, we will talk to you on Wednesday.